Welcome to Hallway Conversations with Matt and Dave. We've both been teaching for quite a while now, but we still have plenty of questions about education. And this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about topics that we think are important for Christian educators to consider. Welcome to the conversation. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. I'm Dave Mulder. And I'm Matt Beamers. Uh, We know your time is very valuable, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen in on our Hallway Conversations. So, Matt, uh, I know you were bringing the question for today. I'm sitting here with bated breath, brother. What what are we going to talk about? Well, Dave, the question for me is, in looking back at your teaching career, so 20-plus years, going to think back to when you first started teaching, or maybe it actually could be even recently, but I'm th- I guess when I thought of this question, I was thinking more when you were beginning out. So I'll let you decide where you want to take it. But my question for you is, what is the best or worst advice you got as a teacher? And I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you pick best oh, or worst, man. or you can have, and Maybe you're right away thinking of a story. Um, well, people can't see your face. You're kind of cringe laughing right now. That's so true. But um, but yeah, what comes to mind when you say best or worst advice? And we will we will not mention names here for yes. the sake. We'll protect right. the innocent. Protect the innocent. Yeah. So. Yeah, sadly, I don't know if this is a commentary on my mental state today, but immediately when you asked that question, I thought of a worst piece of advice. So okay. I'll start there, but okay. maybe we'll come around to All best right. advice okay. too. Um, like many novice teachers, I really struggled with classroom management my, my first year of teaching. Um, and that's, I think it's a known issue in our field to the point we like to say we joke about it. That's, that's unkind, right? But like we know beginning teachers are going to struggle a little bit with this because until you develop that uh, repertoire of strategies for addressing student behaviors, that it just can be really rough. And so I know um, in, in my um, inner makeup, I am the sort, I, I really want people to like me. And, and now I'm at the point, like I'll even, as I'm introducing myself to a new group of students, I'll just confess that to them because I feel like it's healthier that way. Um, but anyway, my first year of teaching, um, it, let's just say it did not go swimmingly, right? And I, I grew, I got better. Yeah. I, I, we're all on a growth trajectory of some sort. Um, but yeah, I was meeting with my mentor. Um, uh, we had a kind of a mentoring program at the school where I was serving at that time. And I was meeting with my mentor and it must have been, oh, sometime in the fall yet of that first year. And his advice to me, kindly and well-intentioned, but I think it's some of the worst advice I ever got as a mm. teacher was, well, didn't they teach you? Don't smile till Christmas. Mm. And, and maybe yeah. you've heard that one too, yeah. right? And I, I think it was offered sincerely and, and it was meant to be helpful. And the problem is I internalized that. And so I would say my second year of teaching, I started off with a scowl on my face, yeah. brows furrowed. Yeah. I was not going to smile until yeah. Christmas. And to be fair, I needed some correction from my first year of teaching. I was, I was, they were running all over me, right? Um, but I think I overcorrected. And so that's, that's the sad part of the story, right? That um, I came with a scowl on my face and the kids did not enjoy my class and that was how it was going to be. And good, they shouldn't. And now, yeah, from the vantage point looking 20 years back plus, um, <laughs> I, I think back on that advice and I think that, that really was terrible advice for me because as you've gotten to know me, I'm sure you know, yeah. I'm usually eyebrows up. I mean, yeah. I, I lead with positivity and enthusiasm uh, coming into the classroom and I've learned 
yeah, I guess better to play to my strengths. Um, I'm, I'm just going to have to name that like yeah. to my students even and say, yeah, I, I mean, I would rather that you like me than that you dislike me. But yeah. now let's move past that and we're going to get into the real work of learning. Was there, was there a moment, Dave, and I, I guess to ask you to think back 20 years to like a specific moment, but, but where along the line did you realize that wasn't great advice? Like yeah. did something, like what was the moment of self-realization where you're sort of like this not only is this not good advice but it's specifically not good advice for me hmm. so i don't know if i can pinpoint a particular yeah. moment in time that would like crystallize that yeah. or, or anything for me but i i guess i would say um that first year, I was struggling enough that any advice that people were giving me for how to better manage my classroom, I was going to grab onto that and yeah. latch onto it. Hmm. And I would say in the second year then, trying to play this hard-nosed brute yeah. who was not going to take yeah. it from the kids, um, it was still pretty early on in that fall semester hmm. that I realized, like, this is not working yeah. for me. This is not who I am. Yeah. And, and that sense that we've talked before about identity, right? Like teachers have an identity. I refer back to Parker Palmer like yeah. I always do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but like we teach who we are and we yeah. have to have some honest understanding of who we are as yeah. teachers, as learners, as human beings. Yeah. And then say, yeah, how's God created me to be? I'm going to try to live into the fullest, yeah. most flourishing version of that. Yeah. How do you... How do you guard then against, like you say, you said, you said you're open with your students about, hey, like I want people to like me. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you guard against or what's your antenna or barometer? Or, yeah. um, how do you assess whether you're being motivated by the, by, um, for the right reasons yeah. that that's actually not guiding you or is it okay sometimes that it is? I'm not sure. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I wrestle back and forth with that. And, like, would I still lead that way from this vantage point mm -hmm. if I was teaching middle schoolers? I don't know. I don't know, yeah. right? Like, it helps that I'm teaching young adults here because they, yeah. I, I trust them in a different, ah, that sounds like I don't trust my middle school students yeah. when I talk. I trusted them, yeah. right? But Trust looks different maybe correct. now. Correct. Yeah. And and recognizing that these are soon-to-be peers entering the teaching profession, most of the yep. students that I'm teaching now, yep. right? Um, I want to model some things for them. And, and just being that transparent about my own yep. growth and understanding my own inner landscape as a teacher, um, I yep. think that that's important, too. But, yeah, the, like okay, so let's go back and imagine, you know, 10 years ago when I was teaching 7th graders for most of my, my job. Yep. And... Would I lead with saying, you know, guys, I really, in my heart of hearts, I, I want you to like me. Yeah. I don't know that there's necessarily an immediate downside for hmm. admitting that, yeah. right? Um, uh, I guess maybe the, the carrying this forward, I think about, well, just today in class, I asked my students, we're, you know, a couple weeks into the, the semester here. I want to know how it's going. I, yeah. I need feedback. And just yeah. like they need feedback from me on how they're doing yeah. in, in their learning, I need feedback on my teaching. And so trying to be that transparent and saying, yeah, what are some things I should keep doing? What are some things I should stop doing yeah. that are getting in the way of yeah. your learning? And yeah, I think we can, we can do that. We can, we can take our students' feedback. We can take their critique. That means we have to be a little transparent with them too, perhaps. Mm. May, as you're talking, it makes me wonder if, because I've received similar advice, this, this idea of like, hey, start tough. You can always let out slack right. as you go. Yes. Whereas if you start too loose, it's hard to re regain that. And mm -hmm. 
And I do believe that somewhat, like you want, you know, to start in the right place, but, and to make sure, hey, like there's high accountability, but, but also high support. I, I think the mistake I made as I, as you're talking, I think about that because I'm, like I said, I'm sure I've gotten similar advice. I think the mistake I made was assuming that high accountability means don't let them see you smile yeah. like that, that somehow yes. those things are tied, right? Like. I'm going to hold you accountable and I'm going to, and I take my job really seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wonder if I had to do it over again and I can still do better at this, that there's a sense of, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable like for their standards here. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm going to hold though. I'm going to hold you accountable in love and grace. We're going to hold you accountable, but I also want you to know the joy I have in being with you, the joy I have in teaching. In fact, my accountability comes out of wanting the best for you, uh, seeing you flourish as the child um, God made you to be. And I don't say that lightly. I know that can, mm-hmm. can be a cliche, but to say like, yeah, like I want you to flourish in every sense. And I'm, and I'm wondering, you know, like to say to them, I'm wondering if you can and fully flourish without some accountability. Yeah. Like that we need those. And as I said, that account, accountability can't come without support. But, but that doesn't mean there can't be joy in the job. Right. Right. And, and yeah, mm. sometimes I wonder if we set those up as yeah. somehow that they're, it's, it's one or the other, right? They're, like they're mutually yeah. exclusive. Yeah. Either you, we're going to have accountability yeah. for our students or we can have a joyful yeah. learning environment. And yeah, I guess I'm thinking about that in, in light of the message of the gospel too right like jesus doesn't let us off the hook right exactly we are held accountable exactly but that doesn't mean the christian life is not also full of joy yeah and yeah if we can model some sense of that in our classrooms no like i I right away am thinking back you know not to always go in the way back machine but (laughs) thinking of ed boland's was my high school math teacher i was terrible at math i'm a recovering english teacher like i (laughs) i wanted to get the minimum done in math and be done with math forever. Sure. And Ed Bolins, God bless him, was my math teacher. And he held me accountable. He held me accountable um, as maybe no one else did when I was a high school student. And I was not a great student. But but one of the things as we're talking, as I'm thinking about it, oftentimes when I was held accountable as a teenager, I would rebel or push back against that. Oh, yeah. But I never did with Ed. Like I received his accountability, but it's also interesting to me that without a doubt in my mind, he was the most rigorous, and I don't mean the most homework, he was the most rigorous teacher. No one held me more accountable than him, and no one cared for me more than he did. I felt so cared for. Um, And he got to know me. It started over, uh, he was a a hockey fan, it started over him loving hockey, and I thought, I found that fascinating. I'd never was the most human teacher I can remember. What? Teachers like hockey? But I responded positively and not because he was, hey, like, you know, hey, buddy, buddy. He wasn't. He, But he was super kind and compassionate and caring and there was high accountability and high support and I received it from him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just interesting as I'm thinking about this as we're talking and reflecting on my own experience as a student, um, you know, what... What allowed me to receive that correction from from him? Um, 
Anyways, it's just a, that was just a quick it's thought there. Because it, it sounds to me then like it, it has to be in the context of relationship. Yeah, right? I guess maybe that's what I'm saying, Dave, is that is that in the context of, and it's not that I didn't have a relationship with other teachers. Right. Like I don't right. in no way, um, but it was more I just had this unique relationship that I don't think I experienced with any other teachers. Mm-hmm. Part of it's because I allowed myself to have, like I, I gave myself over to that relationship, right? Right. But also because I felt like he was committed to me, mm-hmm. like he was committed to me. And so I could see anyone, like, you know, we laughed and joked, but but there was a time to play and there was a time to work. And that was very clear. And maybe because we, even we allowed both, mm-hmm. he allowed both. And sometimes it even happened at the same time. Um, that That's what I'm thinking about in terms of, yeah, like you can be rigorous and they can see you smile. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. So I'm still thinking about advice. And your original question was yeah. best or worst yeah. advice. And um, just even listening to your stories here, I guess one of the, the best pieces of advice I ever received was from another colleague in that first year of teaching. Um, and her advice to me was have high expectations for your students because students generally perform to your level of expectation. Yeah. And I didn't really believe that to be true yeah. for quite a few years I'll, I'll just be honest that like somehow i figure if my expectations are too high then i'm going to set kids up for failure or something but i think generally speaking i think that is true and i think that was good advice like mm-hmm. we should come with yeah. very high expectations and then support the kids to get there yeah. for sure but yeah to to expect students to perform at a high level and then see if they yeah if they hit that mark i Again, I, th- I think when done in the context of relationship, um, you know, to have a student say to you at any time, you brought the best out in, but you brought, mm. brought the best out in me. Th- that could mean relationally or emotionally, but even academically. And like, you brought that out because you believed in me. You held me to the standard and you believed I could get there. Not, and not that it was unattainable. Mm-hmm. That's different than having a high standard. But to set a standard for a student that says, I'm setting this for you because you can get there and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you get there. You're not going to do this alone. And I think I think that's the key to it. Right. This idea of like, I am all in on you and I will do what I can to help you get there. You do not have to travel this road alone. And I think when students know that and teachers commit to that. I think then you can hold those high standards because I've also seen, you know, and I've done this myself of I'm going to hold a really high standard and, and my standard's so high. Look how low the grade average is on this oh, test. Yes. Cause I, right. Like, oh, man. right. Like somehow, <laughs> like somewhere that's bad advice. I got like that somehow a lower average on a test is reflective of rigorous teaching. And it's like, Maybe it's reflective of bad right. teaching, which it, which it would have been, which it would have been for Matt Beamers. Like, like I'm okay to say that, right? Is like that to take to take pride in that. But I, yeah. but again, I think I think yeah, have a high standard, but don't set the standard then and then kind of let the student fly alone, so to speak, right? You got you have to be co-pilots on that journey, I guess. Yeah. Well, and, and really to, to make it, you know, I, I joke with students, this isn't going to last too much longer because no one's going to get the reference. But it's like High School Musical said, we are all in this together after all, right? A and, highly underrated musical, <laughs> if I say so myself. Hey, I mean. Yeah. But no, but, but there is, right? Like it's, 
You know, it was interesting in um, in a class I, I teach here um, today, I asked students, I said, who's one teacher that made a big impact on your life, a formative experience, you know, a form, it was a formative presence in your life that, you know, in, in 10 or 20 or 30 years, you'll be telling your kids or others or about that teacher. So kind of like I just talked about Ed Bolins, yeah, like who's right. your Ed Bolins, right? And, um, and it's interesting, right? What those stories kind of have in common. Um, and a lot of them, you know, it's not like she taught me my times tables or she taught me how to read, like, or he did. He or she may have done that, but that's not sort of the 60-year story mm. that they're telling about this teacher, right? right? It's right. it's so much more than that. And and I, w- I would say in generalizing now, it's sort of a, a theme of, of all in, like they're all in on me, mm. right? And yeah, like the, I would say that would be a, a deep hope I would have for myself or I know you would have or yeah. that most teachers have is that is that students know we're, we're we're there to help them succeed we're there to help them remove whatever barriers might be in their way and to hold them to a high standard because we believe they they can get there well and that's the old cliche right students don't care how much you know until they know how much you yeah. care but how much truth i think there is in that yeah. and and yeah to, to how do we how do we move students to that point where they don't think we just have some ulterior motive, right? We're, we're, we're just their, their teacher. We're out yeah. here to just convey particular information to them, no, right? Totally. But, but I, I think that too sometimes, right? Like if I think back over my school career, like when did I learn certain things? And I can, I can almost never pinpoint like when I learned yeah. a particular thing. Sometimes yeah. there's a, a particular project or, or yeah. something that I can key it to. But a lot of times I can just remember how I felt in a particular teacher's yeah. classroom. Yeah. And... Yeah, like when, when I think back to, I had a, a middle school science teacher, Bob Slagers, and he was a phenomenal science teacher. I became a science teacher myself, yeah. and I like to think I picked up on some things from, from Bob. But he taught me to love creation. He yeah. taught me to build model rockets. Yeah. He taught, like a lot of the things that I still love, and, and are, yeah. they became part of me mm. because I was in his class. And yeah. just being in that presence of uh, a passionate Christian educator yeah. who, yeah, taught, taught me from his expertise, but mm. also taught me from his place of caring and concern and love yeah. that it has to be that it has to be both right yeah right like that you know ed had this phrase always in math when he was explaining an equation it was always like oh it has to gotta be you'd always it say it to has to gotta be. be but when you talk about sharing your passions and your expertise in the context of relationship and love mm-hmm. it has to gotta be that way and to, to teach christianly it has to gotta be that way it can't be all formulas and you know the proverbial brain on a stick um, without forming their hearts and it can't just all be about relationship without helping them to think critically about about what it means to participate in god's unfolding story of redemption it it has to gotta be both in a christian classroom couldn't say it better than that friends thanks for listening in thanks everybody have a great day This podcast was quite literally dreamed up by Matt and Dave during one of their Hallway Conversations. Our music was created by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Dave Mulder and Matt Beamers. Thanks for listening.